0: The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. You know, the general rule for doing anything right is to work at it 80 or more hours every week. One day, my every waking minute was consumed by a meeting with two of my former Hampton, Connecticut, students from 1965, my wife Marcia. My wife, Marsha, and I each had a good time. We were flattered that we were invited and glad that we went to meet with these young people. However, if I were serious about writing or making radio and television programs, you know this, I would have stayed home that day. I would have written, I would have made TV and radio programs. Whenever I get behind the next day I have to start out by doing something I should have stayed home done the day before. You understand about that. So even if I hit the ground running, I'll be a day behind. Being a day behind and a dollar short is the story of my life. This is the reason I never amounted to anything. This is also why successful men often retire with their second or third wife. Most men who have really done well financially, you know, they went years and years without stopping even once to enjoy life. <laughs> things considered... Oh, Fletcher Henderson. That was Fletcher Henderson from probably a hundred years ago. No things considered here on The Humble Farmer. Have you seen that intriguing ad on television that encourages you to refinance your loan? You're given two reasons for wanting to do this. One, your monthly payment will be smaller, and two, your loan will be paid off quicker. No. (laughs) you and I have friends who can be convinced that a smaller monthly payment will pay off a loan in less time. Now, perhaps I am i might be missing something here. You can help me with it, I'm sure. But the only way I ever paid off an installment loan before I head tow whenever I did that, I made larger monthly payments. Now, yes, of course, I'm, I'm familiar with that old story called Stone Soup, in which a hungry man tricks some people into sharing their food. So under fairy tale conditions, it is possible to make something out of nothing. And you might even suggest that if the interest were low enough, it could result in paying off the loan in less time. But think about this. How many altruistic bankers, financial officers, do you know? You might well ask how they scrape up cash for the expensive television ads that you see that we're talking about here, How did they scrape up that cash if they don't raise the interest a percentage point or two? Now, somebody pays for those commercials. Do you think it's the financial institution or do you think it's the customer? I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. Great bottom on that. Basically, pump 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 bump in the background there. Chomp, 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 boy, they don't give up. Count Basie on the Humble Farmer, thank you for listening. Over 30 years ago, it was a good 30 years ago, when I was first getting in the speaking business, I spoke at an association meeting of Maine bankers. And it was at that meeting I first realized how much the setup of the banquet hall had to do with the success of a humorous after-dinner presentation. The officers at this meeting, the officers of the association, were seated on a platform, you know, where they could look out over the assembled tables in the hall. And every time I'd come to the punchline, I was standing up there with them on the table, at the head table. And every time I'd come to the punchline, a very funny story, the people who are not association officers out in the audience there, they'd look up at the stage to see if any of the directors were laughing. Now, you can understand this. It might not be politic for a cashier to laugh if the bank's president was sporting a face of stone. So all hands out there in the audience were taking their cues from the directors up on the stage, on the right-hand, five on my right, five on my left. Now, the directors did not laugh at any of my funny stories either, probably because they were afraid they'd look foolish up there at the head table on the platform, you know, laughing their heads off at foolish stories in front of all their cashiers and and loan officers. And because all the officers up on the stage bit their lips and did not laugh, all the cashiers and tellers and the lower people, loan officers down in the audience, did the same. Well, lesson learned there since then. Whenever I've been asked to stand at a head table and speak at any association with five officers on my left and five officers on my right, I have asked the officers to leave the platform and take seats in the audience, or else I have arranged ahead of time to retreat to the side, you know, where I could, where I could attack both sides from neutral ground. supposed to signify something in its day. I don't know what it, I can't remember now what it was if I ever knew. Do, 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 do. If you know you can tell me, you might also correctly point out that if you need laughs, if you're an entertainer and need laughs, bankers are an exceptionally tough audience just for the nature of their work. You can't hold it against them. It's what they do. Bankers do not laugh no matter where in the audience they are seated. This is a conditioned non response bankers learn early on. Bankers know that if they, loan officers, bankers know that if they were for even a moment to betray an iota of humanity, a friend might hit them up for a low-interest loan. Because nowadays, Bankers can print off reams of paper to justify high rates of interest or sound reasons for denying loans. They won't let me do it. Put the blame on someone else. But back when loans were determined by your reputation in the community, by a loan officer who'd probably known you and your parents and your grandparents for most of his life, well, back in those days, they say, there was a banker in Rockland, Maine, who had a borderline customer. What I mean by that is the loan officer couldn't decide if he should take a chance on his neighbor or if he should not take a chance on his neighbor. So he finally said, tell you what I'm going to do, tell you what I'm going to do. You probably don't know this, but in 1918, I lost an eye in the Argonne Offensive. If you can tell me which of my eyes is glass, I'll give you the loan. And the young man said, oh, I already know that, but the, the right eye is glass, Mike says, Well, that, that's amazing. How could you tell? Easy. I could see a bit of compassion in the glass one. The incomparable sound of the great John Thyssen, Eastman School of Music, around 1955 to 1959. 1957, I used to follow John around with a tape recorder, taping his gigs, taping Bill Motzing, John Tyson down in Rochester. Anyway, all this Oh, it's time to remind you. Thank you for listening to the Humble Farmer. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old fashioned music just for you, right here on your favorite radio station. I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And all of this high finance that we've been talking about here today came back to me in a flash when I when I saw that television ad that guaranteed you'd pay off your loan quicker with a smaller monthly payment. That blew me away. What do you think? Would a person have to be numb, pretty desperate, or, or even both, to even investigate or look into a deal like that? What kind of person, you tell me, what kind of person can be convinced that they can have their cake and eat it too? Of course, our friends who can do this are lucky they're truly gifted because they can hold two completely contradictory beliefs at the same time and believe that both are true. And for lack of a better word, I'd call the ability to do this double-think. Now here's another example of double-think. You see it all the time on television. A man, microphone in hand, stands up before a crowd of people and says that he's going to increase the size of America's military even as he at the same time lowers taxes. Fletcher Henderson, playing that's old, old, old stuff. That's even before my time, you know. But I, uh, I still like the sound of it. Hope you do. While we were talking about financial officers, the following yarn came to my mind, and because it illustrates the warm human side of our banker friends, it's only fair that you hear it now. Now, you should know, I want you to know this right up front, you should know that my wife and my brother both like this story. So, because they are both pretty conservative people, I don't think I'll offend anyone by passing it along to you now. My neighbor, his name is True Hall. True Hall, my neighbor, is a realtor, and this is his story, and it is about a closing on some property, and you bought property so you know what a closing is there are one or two lawyers who show up at closing closings in blue suits and ties and sometimes two bankers show up there in, in black suits and ties closings are always the same year after year the same same thing same good old boys sitting in leather bound chairs exchanging papers in the same wood paneled room kind of dark in there you know but after the happy customer left one particular closing hall the realtor hall my friend looked around the table and he said well gentlemen we have had dozens of closings that were always the same but this one was different can anyone here tell me what it was And every single man in the room spoke as one voice. She wasn't wearing a bra. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. Did you ever see Slam Stewart or Stefan Grappelli? Tell me about it. I'm The Humble Farmer at gmail.com with any luck at all I'm here on your favorite radio station every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. Love to hear from you. Perhaps you recently read that the United States continues to have the most billionaires the last time I counted billionaires, there were 492 billionaires in this country. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Have you noticed that although these 492 billionaires could buy every single vote in the country, that they're shrewd enough to only buy as many as they need... say, early 1920s, just from the sound of that, Fletcher Henderson. In the course of the day, you and I catch ourselves doing so many ridiculous things. You know this is true. We catch ourselves doing so many ridiculous things that there's really no need to make up stories. But from time to time, a silly, apocryphal tale that I think you would enjoy comes my way, and this is one of them. You ready? Ready? At 2 a.m., when my old neighbor Grandpa got up to go to the bathroom, he looked out the window and saw a man going into his barn. He called 911 and reported a suspicious prowler. But he was told that at the last town meeting, folks had voted to cut back on government services. The town, alas, now only had one officer. She was checking on a car somewhere up on the Kinney Woods Road that some kid had rolled over, and there was presently no officer available. A minute later, Gramp called 911 again and said to, well, just disregard the first call, because he'd shot the man in the barn. No hurry. Within minutes, do you believe this? Within minutes, a state police car roared up, and the burglar was soon in handcuffs. The policeman looked at Gramp while he says, I... I thought you said you shot someone. Grant finally said, I thought you said there was nobody available.
1: We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below until we see bottom inside the two sunkers when straight through the channel to Oslo will go. They call me Bob Pitt And I sail on the Eno with Skipper Tim Brown I'm bound to have Dolly or Biddy or Molly As soon as I'm able to plank the cash down We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below Until we see bottom inside the two sunkers When straight through the channel to Tarso we'll go Son of a sea cook and a cook in a trader. I can dance, I can sing, I can reap the main boom. I can handle a jigger and cut a fine figure. Whenever I get in a boat standing room, we'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below. Until we see bottom inside the two sunkers when straight through the channel the Tosbo will go. If the voyage is good, then this fall I will do it I want two pound ten for a ring and the priest A couple of dollars for clean shirts and collars And a handful of coppers to make up a feast We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundland To Sunkers and straight through the channel The tar slow will go I bought me a fine house From Catherine Davis A twenty pound bed From old Jimmy McGrath I'll get me a settle A pot and a kettle Then I will be ready For biddy hurrah We'll rant and we'll roar Like true Newfoundlanders We'll rant and we'll roar On deck and below Sea bottom inside the two sunkers went straight through the channel to toss so will go. Girls of Fox Harbor, of border and Presqu' soul and Bruley, now let you be jolly, don't be melancholy. I can't marry a Laurenchokey, I'd be. We'll rant and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below until we see bottom inside the two sunkers, and straight through the channel to Tosco will go. We'll rant and we'll roar like true Zealanders. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and long Until we see bottom inside the two
2: sun But straight through the channel
0: to Tosco to we'll go. <laughs> Dave Rowe. Dave Rowe. Pretty solid musicianship there, huh? Sea songs, sea ch- ch- chanties. My grandfather w- went to sea. Of course, everybody around here in St. George went to sea 150 years ago, 200 years ago. My grandfather was on a, a vessel that sank off Ireland. They were taking wheat to Ireland, I guess. In 1882, was the, I think the name of the vessel was the Gregory, I I can't remember exactly. The Gregory, I think she went down in 1882. because all hands were saved. They had sprung a leak in a storm. They were taken off by another vessel. Oh, yes. Uh, you'd say, how could he, how could Humble be here if his grandfather sank on a ship in 1882? Oh, do you remember Go Dog Go? I've been meaning to ask you about Go Dog Go. Have you ever read Go Dog Go? I had already served in the military, flunked out of music school, the Korean Department of Music in Potsdam, and I was living in Europe when Go Dog Go was written. But I heard about Go Dog Go because my wife, Marcia, the almost perfect woman, used to teach little kids how to read. So for years, when anyone in our home was doing something the others appreciated, we'd always cry out, Go, dog, go! And now that I think about it, I've I've heard teenage boys call each other dog. You know in those TV realistic movie things there, clips where they know the boys steal cars in front of a hidden camera. They say, Hey, dog, here, get over there, steal that car, dog. And I, I bet I wouldn't be surprised, but what they got that from reading, go, dog, go. Does this not indicate that our present educational system can boast of at least a modicum of success? <laughs> Tish, old, old, old music, Fletcher Henderson, here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening every week at this time. uh, You can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you, with any luck at all. An age is reflected in its literature. You know this to be true. Edward Arlington Robinson, who a hundred years ago was probably related to almost everybody here where I live... Uh, he wrote about whiskey. Gustaf Fröding wrote about poverty. Sjörarna tindrar, att tyste for hundre år tillbaka och skogen sov. That's Gustaf Fröding. Svettiga, sittiga, smuddana, slänga slängda, 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 slängda. That's Gustaf Fröding. He wrote about poverty. Poets have written about bubbling brooks and whippoorwills and malleable young men who march off to die. Now, My question to you is, how can any contemporary bard aspire for immortality when our present culture can be summarized in an essay about Viagra and plastic toys from China? AC Band. I don't I used to play that a lot. That was a one of our favorite songs we used to play at gigs. And here is a rare email. If you're ready for this, you, you might like this one. Please, please, if you if you're about to go into the kitchen and do something, don't do it now. Here's a good you want to hear this one. This is a rare email that came my way a while back, and the heading was Courier Delivered Viagra, yes, that's what it said, courier delivered Viagra. My question to you is, can you envision in your mind a situation so critical, so pressing, that one would pay extra to have Viagra delivered by courier? Look closely, and you'll see vague specters huddled miserably on the front steps, their faces brighten at the distant drumming of hoofbeats. A dispatch rider, leather bag over his shoulder, gallops into the dooryard. Without even dismounting, he throws himself forward in the saddle, extends a clipboard, and says, Please sign here. Fletcher Henderson from years and years ago I've got time for one more story, I guess. One more, one more comment. One more song. Who will it be? John Thyson playing "Little Old Lady." You like John Thyson. While I was in the Atlanta airport one day, I chanced to see on the front page of a New York Times that—oh, I didn't buy the New York Times. I probably couldn't carry it to begin with. It was one of those, laying, you know how you always see newspapers laying down in airports. So I always look for them, read them if I'm in an airport. While I was in this airport, I see this New York Times, and right in that New York Times it said that swabbing out someone's mouth to get a DNA sample had been ruled unusual search and seizure. Now, I have an opinion on that, because ordinarily... I'd say that they could swab out my mouth any time they wanted to, because I don't mind if people poke around in my mouth. They got business doing it, but I am—I got to tell you—I got to—I got to oppose it. I thought about it and I realized I got to oppose this mouth-searching business because if they find they can legally poke around in your mouth, and they don't find anything it really don't take too much imagination to figure out where they will be looking next.